Hey everybody, this is Sean from Low Code Approach. Before we hop in today's episode, I want to let you know that we are collecting everyone's thoughts on what topics we should cover for the upcoming season. To submit them, hopefully you're not driving. If you are, wait until you get somewhere safe. But go to aka.ms forward slash low code topic request. That's all one word aka.ms forward slash low code topic request. From there, enter what topics you'd like us to cover in the upcoming season. And who knows, maybe we'll be able to get to them and get to the best people at Microsoft to talk to. Anyway, thanks for listening. We're excited to get your thoughts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of The Low Code Approach. My name is Sean Feeney, a Senior Product Marketing Manager over at Microsoft, and I'm joined by... I'm Wendy Haddad. I am a Senior Cloud Solution Architect working with our customers as well as a former customer of Microsoft. And I'm joined by... Dr. No, otherwise known as Ken Aguilard on Easy Listening, Low Code Approach. Oh, that is... All right. Well, I can't wait for your top five after this, but thank you so much. Dr. No. Today, we are joined by Sid Gundavarpu, Principal Product Manager at Microsoft. And Sid, how you doing? Good, Sean. Good to see you again. Awesome. Likewise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sid and I and Ken and minus Wendy were on a very awesome low-code approach session or panel, if you will, where we chatted with admins. It was a lot of fun. Hey, Sid, can you tell us a little bit more about your role at Microsoft? Sure. So I'm part of Power Apps organizationally. I'm part of a group called Scale where we focus mostly on the admin persona. Primary motivation is to help enterprise customers to scale. That's the name of our group, very creative. And as part of my day job, I have two primary focus areas. One, looking into scaling the admin governance. We'll talk about that in a bit. The other one is to look into how, with all of this co-pilots and AI investments happening, how can we provide a more consistent platform-wide governance story for our customers? So Sid, coincidentally, you and I work in the same pillar. We are both inside of scale. And I think many times we often run into questions from customers asking us, where are we implementing AI? Why is this feature being put inside of there? And then follow-up question maybe, since you and I were kind of discussing this yesterday with customers, how do we decide what we turn on by default? Yeah. So let's first talk about why AI. So AI is generational shift. All of what we have done for last half a century is going to be exponentially moving forward with AI in the So Microsoft as a whole, we are betting big on AI, not just Microsoft industry as such, because we see the potential. Now, where do we see AI? A lot of times when I talk to customers, when I talk to people, AI uh, and co-pilots resonates with this chat experience because that's what chat GPT introduced, which revolutionized the AI thinking. Right, so a lot of times, and to a certain extent, our naming Copilot resonated most of people with chat interface, where I, as the user, I can ask questions to AI. AI provides response based on the context where I am. But that's not it. So from Microsoft's point of view, especially from our platform's point of view, the way we're looking at AI and how AI can help is much more broader. So it's not always I ask questions, AI respond, but also where we detect that this is where AI can help. I give examples. This is where AI can help. And then we proactively provide certain help that the user may wish to take it or just leave. For example, when I'm making an app and I'm done with the app, I publish. The next thing I logically should do is to tell what this app is about, to tell the world before I share the app, tell what this app does so that people who are getting the app knows what this app does before they click and start using the app. Now, with one of the features which are rolling out, 
we automatically generate that description of the app based on how the app is constructed, what the app is do doing, and what AI understands about the app. But again, the philosophy of maker or the user being the driver seat holds true there. So we are not going to automatically inject the description. We're going to show it to the user. User can take a look. If they like it, they can just accept it as it is. If, I, if they want to make changes, they can make changes and submit. If they do not like what AI gave, they can rewrite it. So they have full control. And that is one example. The other example I can go into is when I'm publishing, when I'm deploying the app, there are many changes that go into this package or solution that goes through that pipeline or the deployment process. But as an admin, as the DevOps engineer, I may not know what exactly happens into the solution unless I click and open that solution and take a look. What we are doing is before we actually do that, AI will look into that solutions package and then provides a description with an inventory of what's in that solution. So that way, I as a user can more confidently proceed with the deployment. Or if I see something, some red flags, I can go back and revisit as well. Again, in the, even in this scenario, the user is in the driver's seat. They can choose to accept it or not. Those are the primary ways. And then there's other one where they're giving tools and levers for people to build. So instead of just Microsoft being the only team that is going to give what people should use with the AI builder, with capabilities like that, even if they are directly talking to Azure Open AI Service, you can build your own copilot. So that's how we are looking more broadly, where it's not just scope to the chat interface, it's also going to help you along the way where you are, but then also for more creative people or more uh, compelling complex scenarios, you have much more flexibility in building your own scenarios. Sid, I feel like this is, I mean, Copilot and AI in general is a hot topic, but as I work with a lot of organizations, governance is a hot topic and, and they're concerned, right? This is a new territory for IT. First of all, low code was new territory. Now you've got AI on top of that. So we're turning some things on by default, some things that you can opt into. Can you talk a little bit more about two things? First of all, what, what control? How can you control who has access in the organization? to these, uh, this co-pilot and these AI features? And then secondly, how do organizations know what is going to be uh, enabled and, and learn a little bit more uh, about that? We'll, we'll include some things in the show notes about announcements, but specifically like just in general, the, the flow, how do they know what's going to be enabled in their tenant? From the thinking point of view within Power Platform, we do not want to treat AI special. We do not want others to treat AI special. AI is there to help. It's like I have a control among these 100 controls in Power Apps. One control does something extra, something much more compelling. Similarly, AI is something which is available as part of my toolkit. It can do certain things that is going to improve my productivity. If we want to treat like that. So AI is not going to special, we are not going to give VIP treatment for AI philosophically. We do not want to give any special levers to control AI specifically. Having said that, during previews, we understand there are concerns. Customers may still be want to turn it off, try it out, test it out, be comfortable with AI. So during previews, as long as the AI feature is in preview, there will be some mechanism, either through UI or through script or some other means, customers be able to control that. So they can control the limit with respect to where the copilot or the feature is available or not. And come in combination with the existing controls within the platform, like who gets to use the maker copilot? If you have a maker privilege, you can use the copilot. So if I do not want this person to use it, so I do not give the maker privilege. So there are other existing controls where we can control the reach or limit of the AI. But once we go GA, right? So once a feature goes GA, we want it to be available like any other uh, feature within platform. Like we do not give control specifically to let's say barcode control or a specific control uh, within Power Apps example. Similarly, copilot is available 
by default and you choose not to use it. So if I do not like AI, if I'm not getting the right responses from the copilot, I will not use it. So that's the principle we are going with. So we do not want to make it a special thing that needs to be controlled especially. Yeah, Sid, I'd also add that within the M365 admin center, but more specifically, since we're talking about obviously Power Platform, we have within Power Platform admin center, the message center. In the message center, we do our best to also communicate to the customers what changes are potentially going to be occurring within their tenant in various different stages. Maybe not for private preview because those are extremely limited to customers who, again, sign up for those. But for things for public preview and GA, as you said, Sid, we do our absolute best to try and ensure that we are communicating those over to our customers. Absolutely, yeah. As a PM, as a PM, I would love my feature to be known widely and used widely. So I'm sure everyone of the feature PMs and feature teams working on AI features want to do the same. So they will use all available means to communicate widely, including blogs, documents, articles, podcasts like these, and the messages to broadcast the message that hey, we are shipping something cool. Please use it. So, Sid, we talked a little bit about, you know, extensibility and building, you know, AI solutions. How can organizations or developers bring their AI solutions into Power Platform? Is there a way to do that or is it built just within the scope of Power Platform? No, that's a wonderful question. So that's one of the ways Power Platform in general is built, right? So Power Platform is built to bring your own solutions, make it, make it work for you, both from low-code point of view, but also for the more proficient throw codes, how can we combine the worlds, uh, world of uh, these two personas and then bring these more compelling scenarios? Same philosophy applies for AI solutions as well. As I mentioned earlier, so all of what we are building is something that people can use immediately. Like the co-pilots, you don't have to configure the models. You don't have to train the models. They're available, you just use them. But if you have a scenario where you want to do something that co-pilots do not, there are a couple of options. One, AI Builder is a very good friend. So AI Builder, gives you models. So like, for example, if I'm uh, if I'm in a sales persona, I get uh, asks for quotes from people and my job, half of my day, I'm just responding to these quotes emails, looking at the information from my inventory, from my invoice or the finance systems, and then combining the quote and then uh, responding to it. So instead of all of this 30 minutes, one hour work, I can just use some of the AI builder models in combination with Power Automate to generate these quotes for me but then I want to still be in the control before something automatically sends out. So I can use this flow in my Power App so that way the email that is getting generated automatically through this GPT model from AI Builder gets into my Power App so I can take a look at the email, I can verify, and then I can say send. So that way I get an email, then in my app, which I'm, which is open for me, I get a response which is constructed based on the AI understanding my email, the Power Automate flow going and looking at this various systems, connecting all of this inventory and all of that, building a quote for me, and then uh, constructing that email based on certain template or maybe again using AI for that, and then showing me this is my response, tweak it or send it, I send it. So that's one scenario. Again, this is something that is possible today, you can do it. If you have more complex scenarios, or if you do not want to use AI Builder for some reason, I don't know why somebody should do that, you can always use the Azure OpenAI service. With the existing frameworks we have in place with the connectors and whatnot, you can build your own APIs on top of the Azure OpenAI service, build your own logic surrounding that, and then leverage that, bring it back into your app or flow, make your scenario more powerful. So Sid, this is one of the hottest questions that I get when I work with customers is what about 
app or workflow proliferation. Copilot makes it easier to build things and their concerns either about if they haven't already implemented governance, now there's a bigger problem of apps proliferating across their environment, or if it's just about capacity and knowing what's been built in the environment. So can you speak a little bit to what we're doing to, to address that problem and, and maybe some of the governance tools that's either coming or that already exist that could help address that need? No, absolutely. That completely resonates with me as well. So looking back at my six years within the Power Apps team, I built more apps in the last four to five months using AI than what I did for the last four and a half, five years. Wow. So I know this is going to be true for a lot of people because it is even more convenient. It's even more powerful for me to build these powerful scenarios. I can personally experience that app proliferation. Good news. So we announced at Power Platform Contracts a new capability for admins called Advisor. So the advisor is basically your best friend telling you about what's happening and then giving you ability to act on all the apps in your tenant that are not collecting dust, not being used for 60 days, 90 days. You, it is possible to look at this information by uh, if you have multiple clicks sometime, but with, with the advisor, it's, it's going to make it very easy. It's going to show you what are the apps across the tenant, not just, I, need to, I don't have to hop between environments. Across the tenant, these are the apps that are not being used as an example, and then giving easy way for admins to take actions on those. Like if the apps are just test apps, like most of my apps are, then admins can just go and clear this. Or they can put more complex workflows surrounding it so that they can automate this. So that's one part of that. For more longer term, little longer term, not too far into the future, we also want to give more visibility for our admins to know what people are doing with AI. So it's it's not just about the app proliferation, but in, in general, more visibility into how AI is helping them. So beginning with who are using AI, how many people are using AI in your organizations, who are these people who are building resources using AI? What are they building and how people are using this? So those are the low-hanging fruits. So we should we'll go after those very in the short term. And then going looking further out, we are going to talk about what the impact of these are. So is AI actually making your makers productive? Right? That's something theoretically, yes. Practically, if you're at an individual level, yes. But from a business standpoint, is what is the ROI for me from using AI? This, all of these are very top of mind for us. So we are looking into uh, how we can crack that nut open safely and then provide those in insights to the admins. It's a journey. So we're going to start with basics. Who is doing what to further down? What is the benefit? What is the ROI? And then how can customers benefit furthermore than what the current ROI out of the box? So Sid, I'm going to probably rapid fire a few questions at you in just a moment here. Just a, just right. a fair warning, okay? So you talked a little bit about monitoring. Let's talk about the admin aspect of this, right? From a data privacy perspective, can the admins actually go in and see, oh, hey, I'm typing these particular types of queries, commands, and whatnot inside of Copilot. Can an admin see those prompts? No, not uh, customers, not us. So nobody gets to see it. Today, there is some data collection or data storage that happens only purely for abuse monitoring. What we call abuse is somebody trying to engineer a prompt or hack into the model and try to influence the model or somebody trying to pull out racial indiscriminate or uh, something uh, out of the AI which is inappropriate for the workplace. All of those are something we can classify as abuse. All the prompts that go in gets stored temporarily for up to 30 days for our automated systems to detect any abuse for our models. And depending on the flags that happen, so if the alerts going on, then very few people who are authorized can go and look at the actual prompts. Outside of that, nobody can actually look into what's happening. And even this is hot news. So even this is going to go away. 
starting with the US and some of the uh, European territories, we are not even going to store any data even for abuse. So we are at conference level where our conference is going higher and we are getting more confident on our models and the overall processes in place to safeguard from the abuse. So we are slowly starting to not store the data, which is going to happen in the next couple of weeks. So before end of November, at least uh, US and Europe as a region, it's not the geographical Europe, but the Europe as our, our data boundary region for sure, and the rest of the world, be able to use AI more confidently. Even Microsoft is not going to store this. That definitely makes me and probably customers more comfortable, Sid, by you saying that, that we don't, you know, even Microsoft doesn't have access to their data. What about the performance? So what is Microsoft doing to increase the performance, right? Um, for example, I asked Copilot to create an app for me and maybe say five weeks ago, I'm just throwing out a random number here. It takes 10 minutes to build an app, whereas maybe four weeks later, three, two, one, it takes five minutes. Can you talk a little bit about the performance and the enhancements of how AI is being optimized? Oh, absolutely. I love this question. So it's not just one scenario, right? So where I start with, asking AI to build me an app, but more foundationally, like how our individual responses, uh, requests and responses are being handled. There are tweaks happening. There are performance enhancements happening at that micro level. Performance as a work stream is so much more important for all of Power Platform, especially so for us within the Power Apps because I'm so much closer to Power Apps world. So across the board, there are investments happening to improve the perf. So it's not specifically focused on AI. For AI specifically, again, for each scenario, at a micro level, there are investments going on to improve the performance of the model itself, improve the response request and response for micro level. But then when you look at a scenario like creating an app, it's not just one to one response. There are going to be multiple micro requests and responses going on. So all of those are going to get improved because of this foundational uh, improvements happening. So that's from the performance point of view from the pure speed. Now let's talk about the performance of the model itself. So I ask the question, what is the model responding back? Is it performing in a sense? Is it giving me accurate responses back? So even for that, right? So there are a lot of investments going on. So for example, when we started this journey more widely in March timeframe, we started with GPT 3.5, then we moved to GPT 4 to leverage the enhancements on the large language model and the models itself. That's one investment, but also the other one big thing is generative AI makes stuff up. So if it cannot respond, it will make stuff up. We have lots of filters, lots of controls in place to minimize this. We call it as hallucination, fake responses, made up responses. So you get the idea. There are teams, actually not just one team, there are teams that are looking into how we can minimize our models to from hallucinating. So that way the models, the responses from models are grounded with factual checks, factual references. Significant improvements happened over the last couple of months on how much hallucination was happening when we started the midpoint check around June, August timeframe to where we are, significant improvement. So if you have been in the journey using Copilots, I'm, I'm sure you guys are playing with it since March, you must have seen so much of improvements in the quality of the responses. That also is something that we consider as performance. Oh, I've seen that 100%. For example, Power Automate, when I first started playing with it back when it first rolled out, it would proposed solutions that wasn't necessarily possible. And now it's pretty accurate most of the time. And so even just saying like, oh, you actually can't, this is a logical workflow now. And, and this is actually usable. And I've actually seen customers start to iterate. So they'll, they'll maybe start with Copilot and then tweak and iterate from there in their apps and their workflows. And so they're starting to actually put this into use case there as well. That's because we're hiring better typers behind the scenes, Wendy, to you know, quickly answer the, the folks' queries and, and whatnot inside of the windows. Faster typing. <laughs> Just lock them, in, lock them in a room, have them responding. Yeah. So. 
Exactly. So, Sid, I said rapid fire. So, here's another question for you, sir. Security executives talked a little bit about privacy inside of that. I'm using Copilot. I want to be really creative and say, hey, Copilot, help me create an application to connect into Sean and Wendy's Outlook because I want to read their emails. Can Copilot do that? What is what is the maybe sort of the ethical and security controls that we have for Copilot within the platform? Wonderful question. I, it's personally probably my favorite so far. So one of the foundational principles we have with Copilots is Copilots are not going to be your gateway to the world of things that you're not supposed to do. For example, if I'm not allowed to within part platform, not allowed to use Gmail as a connector, then using Copilot is not going to magically give you the ability to use the connector. Yes, maybe Copilot will let you start on the journey of creating that flow. If you ask a flow to take my information from Dataverse and put it into a Gmail, it'll probably create a template, but then the existing guardrails, existing controls in place are going to block from that flow from getting saved. So there are controls in place which are going to safeguard. At times, AI itself is going to stop you from doing certain things. I'm going to get, get to that in a second. If a user is not permitted to do something, there is no bypass. So there's there's no leakage where AI is going to let the user pass through and then take advantage of it. Now that's from the maker point of view. Again, from the user point of view, which is from the data security, if I cannot read Sean's emails, I do not. I cannot use the co-pilots to ask for information. Like for example, if it's Microsoft, I cannot access HR data. I'm not in that role. I'm not in that org. I cannot see the data. I can try and ask my co-pilot to say, hey, what's so-and-so's salary or what's so-and-so performance history? If I do not have access to the data, Copilot is going to not say that because Copilot at the end of the day is going to impersonate me as the person to ask for the data. If I do not natively have access to the data, Copilot cannot even reach the data. Having said that, the biggest problem that customers have raised is, hey, we are not set up, our security is not set up perfectly for us to trust AI because we do not have like very strong security model in place to safeguard our data. So for that, my response is, Go back to the basics and fix your security model, fix your security roles, get the people in the right roles. Let me pause you for a second, Sid, because that's an important point that you just said right there, right? Let's just you know reiterate on that. This necessarily what you just described isn't a power platform. It's not. It, it's no. potentially an organizational problem or maybe a skill set problem or something along those, a process problem. The fact that you said encouraging folks to go back to the basics those same basics can be applied to securing the platform and governing it and exactly. so on. So that fundamental knowledge, from, if I translate what you just said, is key. So Sid, I know that you talked about the fact that we have tools in place to make sure that you can't leak data in terms of when to getting access to Sean's email or something that you don't already have access to. Mm -hmm. But what about the scenario where I have access to sensitive data and I have an external Gmail account, can I pump company data outside using Copilot or AI? Again, it goes back to the basics. So if you have your DLP not set right, right? so if you have your DLP policies of not blocking the non-business connectors and combination with the business connectors, it is possible with or without Copilot. So Copilot is not going to artificially put guardrails on top of what's already possible. So it's not going to artificially lift the guardrails or put the guardrails. So for your scenario, I would say, just go back and look at the DLP policies. Do not let this ha scenario happen in the first place, because even without Copilots, if I have access to your sensitive data and I have access to Gmail in the same place, somebody will figure out that I can 
take this and put it into a simple flow and then push this data. So again, Copilot is not going to give you that special capability for the special scenario. The existing tools, existing guardrails are going to help you. Again, basics are very important. Without, without Copilot, set your DLP policies right, set your existing permission models right, then Copilot is going to help you uh, be more proactive within this bond. Yes, and I'll also add, I mean, we do have some great features within the platform today, right? Such as tenant isolation. If you're not using tenant isolation, folks listening to this podcast, I absolutely encourage you to learn more about tenant isolation and how it can protect your data and data exfiltration inside of the, the platform itself. Sean, my good friend, you've been really quiet. Yeah, I promise you, I'm actually in this episode. With that being said, and you brought up a little bit about learn more about tenant isolation. Sid, is there any resources that you recommend our listeners should go and check out to, to get a better understanding about security, governance, and monitoring with Copilot in Power Platform? Absolutely. So first, there are transparency notes, which talks about how Microsoft treats AI and what, what are Microsoft's uh, responsibilities towards using AI in an ethical, uh, ethical way. So that's a very good place for anyone who is having concerns, second thoughts, or not sure about AI. Go look at the uh, responsible AI principles of Microsoft. Very, very good principles, in my opinion, for all of the industry. But also from the transparency notes, every product has a transparency note, which talks about how they treat customers' security, privacy uh, more seriously in an articulated way. And, uh, some of them, they do more FAQs way, right? So you can ask uh, the questions that you have in your head, the way you're trying to frame, they're already there as a frequently asked question. So you can take a look at this question and answer format to get educated yourself or myself about how AI is going to help and how AI is safe and secure and respects your privacy. In addition to that, just learning about the AI, every co-pilot, every AI feature works almost at a pattern level works the same, but at the foundation level, if I want to be more productive, I want to know what are the, what are the tricks that the AI can do for me. So looking at this product-specific documentation, like for example, the Power Apps Maker Copilot. Micro Copilot can do lots of things, but if I don't know what those are, then I'm not going to ask the right questions, get the right responses. Very soon I will say, okay, I'm asking questions that AI is not understanding or AI is doing something wrong. It's like I'm making an app, I see a new control, I don't know how to use the control. I look at the documentation, what the properties are, what the actions are, what the events are. Similarly, look at the Copilot's documentation to see what AI can do and what AI cannot do. Awesome. Thank you, Sid. I really appreciate that. And I think we are at time. However, this is a, a very large topic. We would love to have you come back on. And I promise I'll, I'll ask some questions next time besides just like, you know, intro and outro. Thank you so much for joining, Sid. Oh, yeah. What's up? One small thing. Like, I know, Sid, you're in the kitchen cooking up some really nice things we will be able to talk about soon. Sean, you say that we should have him back. I mean, that is absolutely perfect. Sid, I'm hoping that when you are back, that you are able to just really blow our listeners' minds with some of these new capabilities. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we have a few things that well, we cannot talk yet because they're still very early in the stages. Certainly, there are some very exciting things that are happening. I would love to come back and share more. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you, Ken, for hitting our obligation of one cooking reference per show. I appreciate that. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. And thank you so much, Sid. We really appreciate it. We'll definitely be jumping into a lot more co-pilot and governance sessions. Thank you again. Thank you all. Bye, all. Bye-bye.